I've had success with transplants. Now I can do it for her. Transplant her to what? I brought her back. She'll live and I'll get her another body. I can make her complete again. Only a madman can believe that she could ever be like before. Don't argue with me. I love her too much to let her stay like this. I'll restore her as before. You'll see. Can't you realize? Can't you see? There's a pattern to all that lives. An order, an arrangement. She had a heart and a brain and her spirit was in both, not in one or the other. No. I'll give her a brain and a heart. Yes, and what of her soul? Say you love her and you can remember her love for you. Then how can you make of her an experiment of horror? Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. following movie contains material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Viewer discretion is advised. The paths of experimentation twist and turn through mountains of miscalculations and often lose themselves in error and darkness. And the path of free speech loses itself in intelligence or debauchery when dealing with the Next Level Network production of What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. And this week, we dissect and examine a sci-fi horror story so ghastly, critics hated it, but fans grew to love it. But it really is a story of the foul nature of human filth. Episode 27 of What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero focuses on the 1962 cinematic telling of one doctor's obsession with playing God in the brain that wouldn't die. And welcome back, everyone. Another week, another episode of your favorite podcast. I know, hey, don't even try to lie to me. I know uh, my podcast is your most favorite podcast in the whole fucking world. Or not. Oh well, I don't care. Whatever. Everybody has their own favorite podcast. I know I have mine. <laughs> and trust me, it's not my own podcast. Ah, shit happens. Whatever. I have big shoulders. I can handle it, okay? 
It doesn't matter, you know, honestly, it doesn't. I mean, whatever, what am I supposed to get all offended? Ooh, hey, it's 2018, get mad about everything. Fuck, even this morning. Like, fuck. Goddamn internet. You know I love the internet and I hate the internet. It's like a some weird fucking dichotomy with me, but... Yeah, so... I don't know, on some Facebook post or whatever, they were asking the question, you know, greatest scare in horror films since 2005. And, like, I, some of the answers were kind of making me laugh because it was like, you know, John Carpenter's The Thing. It's like, that's 1982, people. But anyways, whatever. Yeah, there was a lot of answers that were, you know, pre-2005. So anyways, the, the thing I thought was kind of interesting and funny was... Um, you know, like when A Quiet Place came out earlier this year, everyone acted like it was like the second coming of Christ, you know, in horror films and whatnot. And then I'm like reading all these answers and all these options for, you know, the biggest scare. And there wasn't one like mention of A Quiet Place. And so I, you know, I've, I have a facetious sense of humor. You know, I, I crack fucking stupid jokes, whatever. So I crack some joke about, you know, Nobody's saying anything about a quiet place, and holy shit, like, you know, people's feathers got ruffled. It's like, fuck, are you kidding me? Seriously, I thought the ha-ha-ha at the end of my post, you know, would let you know I'm fucking joking. I hate the internet. I love it, too. I mean, there's a lot of things I can do with the internet I couldn't do in 1985, but <laughs> I'll tell you, fuck, everybody's so uptight. Loosen up, people. Seriously, like, horror fans especially. You know, we watch this shit because we know it's phony. I mean, yeah, you'll get that odd movie that, you know, has a scene that, like, you know, creeps you out, makes you jump, whatever. Ooh, ah, you know, you get scared and shit. But, I mean, for the most part, most horror fans know, like, this shit's phony. That's why we watch it. That's why we shit talk it. And we laugh about it. Trust me, this week's episode, I have a lot of shit talking to do about this movie. Um, but yet, I love it. You know, it's one of those things. I absolutely love this movie, but there's a lot of funny things to it, too. You know what's not funny, though? I'll tell you what's not funny. It's not funny that, you know, MGM is like seriously like driving full speed ahead with their new Chucky remake posted a new image of I don't know is it supposed to be Chucky it looked more like Woody from Toy Story I don't know I don't know how I feel about this yet I mean there's a part of me that kind of kind of thinks you know maybe if they go back to like the scary aspect maybe it'd be kind of cool because Chucky has kind of become more of a chuckle than a Chucky these days but I mean at the same time though like I I don't know, man. I don't see how you have Chucky without Brad Dourif's voice. So, I don't know. I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess, kind of, with the new Child's Play, but I don't know. Like, I, I mean, they didn't, it's, you kind of see his face. We don't even see the full Chucky body. At least I haven't. If there's an image of that online somewhere, I didn't find it yet, but... I mean, we just kind of see the his face, and it's behind a knife and whatnot. And I mean, like I said, it looks like Woody from Toy Story. So, I don't know. Whatever. 
One thing that's coming, though, that definitely has my interest peaked, uh, Rue Morgue TV. Apparently, it's like a YouTube channel. It's going to be all Rue Morgue. Looks like a lot of original content. Um, I see, uh, fuck, and they flash it really quickly, and I, I didn't write many of them down, but I know that there's going to be something, there's going to be some form of a show or a segment or something on there. Um, probably com- Pairing like older films to newer films and stuff. It says something about like classic films versus you know modern films or something like that. I don't know, but it looks like it looks like it's gonna be a lot of original content, which I'm kind of cool with. You know, Shutter does that. Like Shutter has that show, The Core, and it's like their own show. You know what I mean? And I enjoy watching that. Like I like watching the interviews and stuff. So yeah fucking weird thing happened to me this past week like okay so near my house uh, like near where i live uh they opened halloween headquarters yeah, it's a little store in the mall near my place and i thought oh, i'll go check it out and they didn't have, i mean they had some cool stuff but a little pricey a little a little too much for what they had but i did get some cool shit though i got like um it's like a freddy krueger like wall clinger i guess it's supposed to be like he's coming through the wall, like when you put it up and stuff. It looks kind of cool. Looks really awesome. Um, some nightmare, be- nightmare before Christmas, like hanging thing that says seriously spooky. I got that. I thought it was kind of cute. It was cheap, so it was it was all right. But while I was there, it's like you know, everyone loves the dollar stores and dollaramas and all those. You know, at Halloween time, because you can always find some weird like hidden gems in there. So it's like next door to Halloween headquarters. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go check out Dollarama. So I'm there looking around. The Halloween stuff's kind of cool. There's a couple of uh, cool like skulls and whatnot. And I was kind of looking at those. And then I happened to notice out of the corner of my eye, there was like this little tiny basket that had like DVDs and Blu-rays. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> at a Dollarama? This is interesting. So I go looking through them and I'm leafing through and I mean like they got your typical you know inferior horror films like they had one called like Diagnosis Death and stuff like that. I'd never even heard of this movie. I ended up looking it up and it has a rating of like 4.9 out of 10 on IMDb so maybe I should pick it up but um yeah, no, I was leafing through though and of all fucking films to find at a Dollarama, let the right one in. I was like Jesus Christ, I still need this. So <laughs> I bought it for two bucks and 50 cents. Brand fucking spanking new. I also got uh, the pack two. I like the first one. Um, Katie Lotts, big star from, you know, Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. She's in those films. Um, so yeah, I got the, I bought, I bought the pack too. I figured, you know, two bucks, it can't go wrong, right? I haven't seen it yet. I've only seen the first one, so be uh kind of cool to sit down and watch that and uh and kind of like well not horror related but kind of fucking cool all in the same uh movie donnie brosco with al pacino and johnny depp i got the blu-ray of that three bucks special edition i was like really this is fucking cool at a dollarama they also had uh john carpenter's the fog like really uh, that one stunned me i was like wow that's a that's a big name that one uh, I was impressed at a Dollarama. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, and not to mention, I don't know how many of you pay attention to like, um, like Amazon, right? And eBay and stuff like that. Like you can have like your wish lists and whatnot. And I don't know how many people like actually paid attention this past week, but, uh, on the Canadian Amazon last house on the left, the arrow three disc special edition. Uh, it went on sale uh, for $8 and six cents Canadian. <laughs> Uh, guess who ordered one? I need it for my collection anyway, so I was like, fuck this shit. What the hell? I've been watching this movie for about two weeks now. Now, keep in mind, Last House on the Left, originally when it was on Amazon and priced and whatnot, like the, the normal price for it, you're looking at anywhere between 35 to $50. And about two weeks ago, I started to notice it was like really oddly priced. It was like at fourteen dollars. This is the three disc set, like the Arrow release, you know. And I'm, I'm like, wow, that's like interesting. But I know that they've done this before. They do this with Vestron releases, where like they'll quietly just drop the price, drop the price, drop the price, drop the price, and they'll drop it like really low, and then all of a sudden it'll skyrocket right back up. You know, once they've sold so many, I, I think they do it to flush out the warehouse, honestly, but I'm not 100% positive on that. So anyways, I've been paying attention to Last House on the Left and sure as shit went down to $8.06 the other night. I was like, uh, add to cart, proceed to checkout, mine. <laughs> so uh, if I remember correctly, it's, it's going to be here Monday. Woohoo! Yeah! So, yeah, that's pretty cool. So I'm excited about that. But before we get to the brain that wouldn't die, I do have one last thing I want to talk about, and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this, but I want to spend a bit of time. It's Lurker's recommendation for this week. And let's just say the cage rage is 100% fucking real. So, the movie Mandy, I talked about this a few episodes back. The trailer had dropped, and I was like, man, this movie looks fucking batshit crazy. Well, I couldn't have been more right. This movie is all sorts of what the fuck, and it's a beautiful picture. Now, I'm not going to lie, and I'm going to warn everyone right now. The movie Mandy, it's not for everyone. I would easily say this is going to be a 50 50 split you are going to have 50 percent of viewers loving the fuck out of this movie and you're gonna have 50 percent of the viewers going what in the fuck this is nothing but utter garbage it's okay because it's a different movie uh the director's name if i remember correctly Panos Cosmatos, Cosmatos, Cosmatanos, something like that. And I know I'm butchering it. I don't have it written down. My notes for this is Mandy, quick thoughts. Make sure to recommend it. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. uh, And Nicolas Cage is in it, obviously. Uh, This. So I watched it on VOD. Um, I know in certain cities it was in theaters. God, I wish it had been in a theater here. I would have definitely checked this movie out on the big screen, but so I'm watching this and I'm not going to lie, like going into it, I didn't really know the story. I just saw that one trailer from, you know, a 
few months back or whatever. And I was like, I'm definitely going to check it out. I mean, there's a chainsaw fight, right? How, how the fuck can you go wrong with, you know, dueling chainsaws? But I didn't know, like, I mean, I knew the vague basic story, you know, cult of, you know, weird people kidnap Nicolas Cage's wife. They kill her and he goes on the cage rage. Okay, so I knew that. Like, I mean, that's the basics of the movie. But fuck, I did not see so much of this movie coming. Like, the first hour alone of the film is one big what-the-fuck trip. You really won't have much of a clue of what's going on other than they're just setting everything up. And, I mean, it's a long setup. I'm not. The first hour is very slow burn, like very slow burn. So if you're one of those kinds of people that you want, like, bang, 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 like, you know, scene to scene to scene, you know, if movie's going fast kind of thing, and you're not in for the artsy or the slow burn kind of films, avoid this. You're not going to like it. Be, especially not the first hour. Unless you just want to skip straight to the second hour, uh, that's your choice. Uh, I don't recommend it because, beyond to be honest, like you, you need the first hour to really appreciate the second hour of it. But the second hour is full on cage rage, and I mean he brings the fucking heat. He does some fucked up shit. Uh, it's, I'm not going to spoil specifics because it's, like I said, lurkers recommendation. I want people watching this movie. I believe if I remember correctly, physical copies get released October 27th. Seems to me it's right before Halloween. If I remember reading that correctly. Um, again, like I said, my notes for this movie is one line, (laughs) uh, make sure to recommend uh, but yeah, the, the great movie. It, the movie kicks off with a kick, uh, kick crimson, King Crimson song. Um, shit, what song is it now? Starless, I believe, is the song it starts off with. And like, I'm a big King. Well, I wouldn't say big King Crimson fan, but I do love like that style of music. Prog, prog music is really fucking cool and shit. And wow, did that ever sound lame? fucking cool yeah okay shut up paul um i really do need to flush out my notes sometimes but fuck it who cares whatever um the point of this is mandy uh who cares about king crimson me going off on my music tangents but yeah no uh mandy uh fuck i want to spoil shit but i don't want to because you know let's just say like the the final battles uh like the Especially the good, I'd say a good majority of the last half hour is really fucking fun to watch. Uh, your your second hour is where all the action is. So, like I said, that first hour is all sorts of what the fuck. And I did not expect any of what I saw. So I was like, hmm, all right. That was interesting. But uh, definitely stick with it if you're going to watch it. Don't turn it off. Even if you get the slightest urge to feel like you want to shut it off. Don't just keep going with it. Cause the payoff is fucking great. And that's that for now, because now we're going to talk about a movie that is, well, let's put it this way. It was well before it's time. Um, it's hideous. It's fucking weird. It's, from 1962, 
They filmed it in 1959. Took three years to get released. It's a Joseph Green special. Known as the brain that wouldn't die. Or is it the head that wouldn't die? Yeah, I'm going to explain that in a bit. That was fucking interesting. Uh, Anyways. Break time. And when we come back... Let's just talk about brains. Not the intelligent kind, because the intelligent kind do not get talked about on this fucking show. Uh, no. Break time. We'll be back. You've lost the urge to experiment. Oh, every time you touch me, I go out of my mind. kept alive by experimental science, by a man whose abnormal passions inspired him to try the impossible. I brought her back. She'll live and I'll get her another body. Yes, and what of her soul? How can you make of her an experiment of horror? His mad ambitions and desires threaten every woman possessing an attractive body. Girls whose measurements make them beauty contest participants. Professional figure models such as this. All are prey to his distorted desires. What's locked behind that door? Horror. No normal mind can imagine. Something even more terrible than you. Horror has its ultimate. And I'm that. Behind that door is the sum total of Dr. Cortner's mistakes. He intends to kill somebody. To rob them of their body. It's the brain that wouldn't die. The brain that wouldn't die. Stabbed it a hundred times. It just wouldn't die. Honestly, when when I hear the title "The Brain That Wouldn't Die," I think it's like a like a really bad song. I bet you there probably is a song out there called "The Brain That Wouldn't Die," but probably some like horror punk song or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I think my singing scares people. I know, like in person, like when I start singing, like people's eyes bug out of their head. Probably like my podcast, my singing voice is their favorite singing voice of all time. Okay, I really need to stop talking stupid. But fuck it. This movie's stupid. This movie's fun though, but it's stupid. It does some stupid things. It came out August 10th, 1962. And as I stated earlier, it took about three years to actually get released because I believe the filming for it was done like in 1959 and I mean back in those I say back in those days even back in these days some movies are filmed like within two to three weeks so 
But yeah. There, I mean, there's special effects in this, but nothing that would have taken them a long time. I mean, probably the coolest effect is, you know, Jan in the pan. I'll explain that, don't worry. I'm sure most of you already know what Jan in the pan is, but I'll explain it. But, yeah. So, The Brain That Wouldn't Die. It's directed by Joseph Green. Written by Joseph Green and Rex Carlton. Produced by Rex Carlton. Gee, two guys did all the work. No. Um, there's a lot of people that worked on this. Not, I mean, granted, not as much, not as many people involved with films, you know, in the '60s as they are now. I mean, some movies like the credits run almost as long as the movie itself, <laughs> especially short films. But yeah. So, starring cast in this film, um, I can honest, I'm gonna say it now, so I don't have to say it later. Even though I'll probably say it later, anyways. But I'm gonna say it now. There, the acting in this is kind of like a good-bad. It's like a, I have a love-hate thing with the acting in this. There's no real amazing standouts. I mean, probably Virginia Leith as Jan Compton probably could be considered the top actor slash actress of the film, but even she has some bad fucking moments in this movie. Dr. Bill Cortner was played by Jason Evers. I guess he was like a heartthrob back in the day. I don't know. The way they made him look in this movie is like every woman just like had to fuck him. I, I don't get it. I mean, Adam West was a better looking man at that time, I think, in my opinion. I, it, I'll be honest with you. I'm surprised they didn't get Adam West for this. Of course, Adam West, let's see. His Batman was, what, 66? So it would have been about four years later. And like I said, they filmed this in 59. So, yeah, maybe he wasn't really acting that much yet. Imagine if this had been Adam West's, like, you know, first starring role. Batman never would have happened. But I don't know. I don't know. It still might have happened. Whatever. Moving on. So as I stated earlier, Virginia Leith as Jan Compton. She's pretty much the highlight of the movie. But... Uh, Anthony LaPena as Kurt. Kurt's fucking weird. Dr. Kurt. He's fucking weird. Um, Adele Lamont plays Doris. Doris Powell. Uh, Doris is... Well, I'll explain it as I move on. But, um, yeah, I guess... I guess she's pretty much like the... It's really weird. Like, Bill, Jan, and Kurt are like the three main characters. Every Everyone else after that is supporting cast... Um, <laughs> supporting cast, some of them don't even get names. Uh, so you have uh, Bonnie Cherry as the blonde stripper and Paula Maurice as the brunette stripper. They didn't even give them names. It's so nice. I gave them names myself. I called them Sugar and Spice. I know I stole that from Batman Forever, so fuck off. I know. I know I stole it from there, so kiss my ass, but whatever. I figure, you know, like, that's what I thought of, like, when I was watching this, and I saw, like, the blonde stripper and the brunette stripper, and I'm like, hmm, reminds me of uh, Drew Barrymore and Debbie Mazar in Batman Forever. Yes, I know who played them both. Fuck off. I'll be honest with you, Batman Forever was not the worst fucking movie ever. Yeah, okay, so Val Kilmer kind of sucked as Batman, but that, was it really his fault? I mean... 
Joel Schumacher was like directing what should have been a Tim Burton film. I mean, come on. This had disaster written all over it from the very get-go. But I still like that movie. Jim Carrey is actually the weakest part of that movie, believe it or not. Yes, you heard it here first, folks. No, uh, the only reason why I say he's the weakest is because he's playing himself. It's kind of like the Joker, you know, like Jack Nicholson's Joker. Don't get me wrong. We all love Jack. Jack's awesome, but he's playing himself. So I don't know. Joaquin Phoenix. Um, I don't know. I'm like way out in left field right now. But uh, Joaquin Phoenix, they put like test footage of him as the Joker. And it was kind of funny because uh, one of my friends was commenting, saying, he's like, he's like, I thought it looked pretty good. Like, everyone hates it. I'm like, look, you're talking about a comic book movie, and it's a DC movie at that. The hate will be strong with those people. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I, I want to see his portrayal of the Joker before I make any comments. Because the makeup, I mean, the makeup's just one thing, right? But if he makes that makeup like be like part of the character and he works it in and he makes it real, he makes it different in his own way. Because every every actor that's played the Joker has done their own thing. So I'm I'll be curious, but back to this fucking movie. Like, Jesus Christ, Paul. Stay on fucking target, will you? So Peggy Howard was played by Marilyn Hanold. And Dr. Cortner. Dr. Cortner is Bill's father. He's the one that he's he's kind of against everything that Bill does. Dr. Bill's fucking scary. He's creepy. He's weird. And his father, um, you know, tries to warn him. Yo, stop trying to play God. Uh, but he's played by Bruce Brighton. And a photographer who is photographing Doris when we first meet her. Uh, played by Arnie Freeman. There was more cast, but they really are not integral to the story. So, sorry, folks, you didn't make the cut. But no, it's because I want to move on. I've got a lot to talk about here. <laughs> a lot of notes for this one. Um, synopsis. So the unethical surgeon, Doctor Bill Cortner, played by Herb Evers. Herb, I thought. Jason Evers. Ah, oh, that's fucking weird. I just noticed that. They got two different names. I got this from the same source. <laughs> Go figure. Um, yeah, but I believe, actually, he goes by the name Herb in uh, in this movie, but Jason, I believe, is actually his real name. Whew. The more you know. Doo-doo. Um, anyways, uh, Dr. Bill Cordner is developing a technique of transplantation of organs and members using a serum against rejection. When he has a car accident with his girlfriend, Jan Compton, he saves her head only and tries to find a woman with a beautiful body to transplant Jan's head against her will. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, when when you read a synopsis like that and then you see, like, IMDb has it at 4.2 out of 10 and Rotten Tomatoes, you know, basically it has a 38% approval rating, you know... Are you really surprised? Really? Dude gets into a car accident and he saves his girlfriend's head. Uh, that scene alone was interesting in its own in its own right as well. Um, and TV Guide was actually generous. They gave it two out of four stars, calling it one of the most genuinely bizarre brain movies. Um, 
And when you think about it, if you actually look in percentages, like two out of four stars, they're giving it 50%. That's higher than both IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Yay for TV Guide. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so the movie, obviously, you know, it, it's black and white. Uh, it starts off with like you hear like it, it's a black screen actually, and starts off with like "Let me die, let me die, let me die." That's actually important for later on in the movie, but yeah, I this movie's fucking weird. Um, I like it though. Uh, to what extent? Well, wait till I get to my rating. But I mean, when we are first introduced to Bill Cortner. Um, I call him Dr. Bill. That's what I called him in most of my notes was Doc Bill, Dr. Bill. Bill's fucking crazy. Because, um, like, they're, him and his father are, like, working on some patient. And, which is kind of weird, like, the whole father and son doctor thing. And, I mean, they're arguing over ethics and medicine while operating on the dead dude. Like, which apparently he's dead. It's kind of funny. He's supposed to be dead, but, like, he's still breathing. If you actually look closely, he's breathing. It's like, hmm. Yeah, I guess you didn't want to hold your breath for that for that long a time. I mean, they kept the this is back in the days when like, you know, camera views were you know, very stationary. They didn't have the moving cameras as much and it just focuses on two characters talking for 10 fucking minutes. Uh although the one part's kind of funny like when they're like leaving the room after and they're supposed to be walking outside of the room and then they're like standing behind a pane of glass except there's no glass. It's a window with no glass. That's what it looks like anyways. But again, because of the way they filmed it, no way they could like hear them talking through the glass in another room unless they had microphones set up that way, which they didn't. So it's kind of funny when you're watching it and you're like, okay, if you really wanted to wash your hands, why don't you just reach over the hole in the fucking wall? Um, but yeah. Bill seems like right off his rocker, like right from the get-go of the fucking film, you know, and it, it it's interesting, like there's, this film, I find I can make a lot of comparisons to H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator, uh, and one of the uh, comparisons I can make is the way Bill treats his father is like how uh, Herbert West treated, oh shit, what's his fucking name? God damn it. I always screw up names. Why? Why do I never remember names? Yet I, like my best friends, I remember their fucking names. Anyways, whatever. When Herbert West is like, you know, breaking his pencils because he's like trying to piss off that doctor and he's like, you know, contesting him on like his methods and whatnot. There's that kind of like comparison similarity between the two because you have Dr. Bill, you know, confronting his father and saying, you know, your methods are old and weak and so, yeah, there's that, like, that whole scene, whatever. And then, of course, like, w when we meet Jan, who is, like, his wife-to-be, his fiance, his girlfriend, or whatever. And it's kind of interesting because we've already been introduced to the fact that Bill is, like, off his fucking rocker. And then you meet Jan, and you think to yourself, either she's, you know, naive as shit, or she's, like, somewhat, like, okay with, like, his weirdness, which... I don't know how I could be like, you know, like when his own father is basically saying to him, you know, like the hospital's accusing you of stealing limbs, you know, for your experimentations and whatnot. 
And like, not to mention his father also has to yell at him and says, you know, like an operating ta- an operating table is not a place for, you know, experiments. Um, I mean, how, how can she not know that that's what, you know, her future husband is like, you know what I mean? So what she, she has no fucking clue that he's batshit crazy. Like, I don't know. And then of course, like he has to take like some phone call and he's on his way to like, you know, a country house, which, you know, that too, like before we even get to the country house and find out what's actually going on there, like you already get the sense that like there's something fucked up with that country house. And again, I ask myself, how does Jan not, you know, put at least put like half of one in one together? You know what I mean? Like dude's fucked up like how do you not notice it i don't know again like you know stupid movies stupid people do stupid things in horror films right so anyways yeah when they show them driving to the country house and then they're skidding all over a winding road okay the road is winding there's turns all over the fucking place and you're driving at 200 miles per hour gee i wonder what the fuck's gonna happen um yeah didn't have to uh, really put much thought into that one. But the best part of that whole fucking scene is the car has crashed. It's thrown Bill from the car. He doesn't have a single scratch on him. He's holding his ribs a little. But he has no scratches, no blood, no nothing. And Jan, for some reason, is completely torn up into a thousand pieces. Wait, what? Like, he walks up to the car and pushes her hand out of the way. At first, like, the way they make it look, like, he puts, like, his coat in there to pick something up. And I'm sitting there asking myself, okay, did he just pull out her hand or her head? Like, because the way it's filmed, you can't tell. And I'm sitting there going, what, he's got to save this, you know, for all the memories of the hand jobs and blow jobs she gave him? Like, what the fuck? Like, what's with the hand? What's with the head? Like, wouldn't you want the whole fucking body furthermore how the hell are you completely in one piece you get thrown from a car you go rolling down a fucking hill you have no blood on you no cuts no bruises you're holding your ribs oh yeah my ribs hurt meanwhile your fucking fiance is like diced up like dysomatic fucking 3000 okay because that makes sense and of course obsessive doc you know mr i'm fucking batshit crazy he wants her head. Wait, what? And like, no tears. No, he's not upset at all. It's like, ooh, I get to play reanimator with this one. Like, that's the first thing that went through his head was to grab her head and to, you know, do experiments on it. Well, that's got true love written all over it, doesn't it? And then like, you know, he hooks up the head on the plate, hence Jan in the pan. If you're wondering, Jan in the pan is Jan is in this fucking pan that's got like blood going into it. I'm sorry, Reanimator did this so much better, but it's supposed to be that like her head is supposed to be kept alive as there's like all these tubes and there's like there's there's even at one point there's like this fucking like weird like machine that looks like a metal lunchbox. Like it's got a fucking handle on the top, but it's got like a little dial. It looks like someone made like some like machinery out of like an old metal lunchbox. It looks fucking hilarious. And anyways, like 
He's like clamoring over his device and her head in the fucking pan and whatnot. And of course, Kurt's there. That's the other thing. This is when we meet Dr. Kurt because he's at the country house, you know, with, you know, the crisis that's in the closet. I'll get to that in a minute, too. And yeah, yeah, so Bill's like fucking like, you know, what's done is done and what I've done is right. Dude, you're fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> it's just as is so funny and how does his mind work oh he wants to keep her head alive so he can add it to a new body um okay so yes i understand it came later but i've mentioned this movie on the podcast before uh sound anything like frankenhooker uh so which is kind of cool though like I, i i do have to say this the part that i enjoy about this film so much is watching it a film that was made in 1959, released in 1962, and how it affected movies later. We've had movies like The Brain. Um, Steve Martin was in The Man with Two Brains. We've had Frankenhooker. Um, I mean, granted, like this is obviously pulling from the idea of Frankenstein, obviously, but it's nice to see like a movie as campy as this. And I mean, like even mystery science three, uh, theater 3000 has fucking ripped on this movie. Like this movie has been torn apart by pretty much everybody, <laughs> but it's still, it, it left its mark to the point where like it's influenced other films. And yeah. So like when he starts talking about, well, I'm going to find another female body to put her head on right, right away. Like I went thing popped in my head was want a date, one company, like uh, seriously, that's what it, I was just it, poof, right into my head the second I heard that. Like, I mean, well, okay, I should say when watching it for this review because when I think about it, I saw this before I saw Frankenhooker, and we're going back like eons ago, back to the days I, I've you've, I've mentioned it before as well. You know, the whole Count Scary thing, Shocktober and whatnot. Uh, this was one of the films I saw in there. You know, on you know, network television aired the brain that wouldn't die. And it was, it's interesting because I didn't realize they cut so much out of it. Like the version I have, I have the synapse films. Uh, uh, what was it like? 2000, uh, fuck. I want to say 2012 reissue or whatever. It's 85 minutes long as opposed to 83 minutes or 82 minutes long. Uh, basically they took a lot of the gore out and whatnot. I didn't realize when I was a kid watching it on TV that, you know, they were cutting a lot out of it because I figured 1962 movie didn't have much. Um, there's, there's actually some shit in this movie. You know, a dude gets his arm ripped off and it, okay, it's nothing to today's standards, but what the fuck ever. I mean, still cool. You know, dude loses a fucking arm. Um, and as for the, the thing in the closet, so... When we when they get to the 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 cottage, the country house, and we find out there's something in the closet, it sounds like a mutated pig, is what it sounds like. I keep hearing it. it, it I noticed it last night. I'm like, what does that sound like? Like, how am I going to describe this? And it sounds to me like a mutated pig in a closet. Uh, it's not. We find out later what it is, but it sounds like a mutated pig. Um, 
Oh, that was the other thing, too, was that, and Kurt and Bill, whenever they talk, they've got some weird fucking dialogue between the two of them. Because at one point, like, Kurt's even asking Bill, he's like, how will you get a new body? How will you find a body? And how will you know it's the right one? How will you know it's love and all this shit? And Bill just looks at him and says, there are ways. It's like, dude, you're creepy. Um, Like, it's like, he's almost like an early version of Buffalo Bill. Like, it rubs the lotion on the skin. But, you know, he's a doctor, so it's kind of not like that. But... I don't know. And and then, of course, like, the movie progresses on, and now he's going to, like, you know, exotic, you know, stripper bars and whatnot. Holy shit. Some of those scenes are fucking hilarious. Like, I mean, at one point, there's, like, a whole montage of, like, watching him smoke while he's watching strippers dance and whatnot. It's just fucking hilarious. But the, the whole idea of, like, you know, Doc Bill is, like, he's, like, trying to seduce women so he can use their bodies to keep his wife alive. And then of course, like, like I said, like, like first he's like enticing, like the, the blonde, you know, and the brunette, you know, thinks that she has a chance and whatnot. And so he's talking to the brunette or sorry, he's talking to the blonde. The brunette's not in the room yet. He's like hitting on her and whatnot. And she's pretty fucking good looking too. I'm not going to lie. Um, and, you know, like, they start kissing and stuff like that. And, I mean, keep in mind, 1962 movie, and you got some dude seducing a stripper. And then the brunette walks in and basically ruins the mood. It leads to an all-out cat fight. And it's, like, over this guy? Like, again, like I said, Adam West was a better-looking guy. But there's obviously reasons why he's not acting in this. But, I don't know, it's just... Herb, to me, like, just doesn't seem that attractive. I mean, he's the dude with the cigarette all the time. That must, And that was a thing, too, but, like, back in, like, the 60s and whatnot, it was, like, considered sexy to see a man smoking. And nowadays, it's like, if you smoke, it's like you're the devil. Um, but <laughs> it's kind of interesting how that's changed. But I don't know. It's just the the whole cat fight and i mean like they're going all out too like there's the pulling of fucking hair they're slapping faces fucking cleavage just bouncing all over the place well it sounds like a porno but um i don't know and then there's like right by, to to put like the exclamation on that scene like you know you got the they got like two cat images on the wall and you hear someone go meow it's kind of funny um but i don't know like I don't want to like break down the whole movie beat for beat because there's a, a, a there's a lot that you know. If you haven't seen this, I, I want it to still be a surprise. I, I don't want to spoil the whole thing. I, a huge, large part of this movie, like a, a main chunk of this movie, is basically Doctor Bill being a creeper, uh, looking for a hot body that'll get his dick hard so he can add his wife's head to it. And it's interesting because there's some interesting themes. Within this film, I noticed, by the way, just so you all know, I say the word interesting a lot. It's something I'm trying to break, a bad habit of mine. So, um, I don't know. I want to do some contests for this podcast coming up, and there may be something in terms of the word interesting. I was actually thinking of having people count how many times I say it, because I noticed when editing last week's episode, I repeat words a lot, and I was like, I got to work on that. Um, the inside of inside the mind of a podcaster you know we we notice our mistakes sometimes sometimes a little too much but anyways getting back to this film like 
there's a there's some horrific themes in this film. Um, one of one of them being like you know the whole idea of like medicine, if in the wrong hands, can be a dangerous thing. And this is something that I think is very relevant in 2018. Uh, what with and I don't want to go on some like whole conspiracy theory and whatnot, but there's a lot of pressure uh, and a lot of pushing ideas of you know different health issues, mental health issues, obesity, uh, you know, there, uh, autism, and whether to vaccinate or whether not to, and the whole idea of. You need medicine. You need pharmaceuticals. It's like it's almost being pummeled into our brains. Like you have to be on some form of pill. And it's interesting. There you go. I said the word again. But um, it it catches my attention that in this movie, like it's showing, like especially with the character of Doris. Doris is all worried because she's got this burn on her face. And that burn like is something that, like it's a huge focus of her life. And the idea that Bill could, I mean, he's lying to her obviously, but he says he can get rid of that burn on her face and whatnot. And how she almost steps into a very dangerous plot because of her need for, you know, aesthetic, a need for beauty. And that's another thing that, you know, this film shows like, you know, people should learn to accept who they are and learn to accept their imperfections as a part of life and less as a disability because it can get them into a lot more trouble than what they bargained for. Uh, Doris is a great example of that. Uh, The idea of Bill. Bill is a dick, honestly. Bill is a dangerous person. Bill is a liar. He's a a thief. He's abusive. He's possessive, blind to his own delusions of grandeur. He's a fucking selfish prick. And yet, you know, he's the main, he's one of the main focuses of this film. But when you think about it, he, he keeps telling, he keeps telling his wife, he wants to do it for her. If he was so in love with her, he would have let her go. She's suffering, and that's something that she specifically points out in this film is that, let me die. I don't want to live. I don't want to be like this. And his his whole thing is, is, well, I can get you a new body, but that's not her body. That wasn't the body she was born with. It's someone else's body. And she also understands that in order for him to get that body, he's got to kill someone. And, you know, can you love someone who is killed? There's very interesting themes. Like there's a lot of thematic um, depth to this film that I, I, I really enjoy. And I, I, I joked, I, I wrote in one of my notes, uh, moral of the movie, don't trust doctors. <laughs> if you know me, you know, I don't. Um, and I'm not saying that all doctors are horrible, but I, I've had my fair share of shitty ones and have just chosen to ignore that part of life until I fucking need it. You know, uh, whatever is whatever. One of the, uh, I don't know if I call it a down point about this movie, but it's something that in today's day would be seen, would seem very unnecessary. Uh, the dialogue in this movie is very exposition heavy. It's like almost like every conversation they have is explaining something. And 
instead of letting the audience just watch and figure things out on their own, they have to keep like, you know, pummeling it in your head. Like, oh my God, I can't believe he has built this like Frankenstein sort of monster and it's in the closet. And that means he's going to do it to me. Like the audience can figure out what's going on. You didn't have to have such forceful dialogue, which and I've seen many critics and many reviews on this that the movie has very bad dialogue. I don't know that if I say it's bad dialogue that I agree with that, but it's definitely exposition heavy and it's unnecessary. So yes, there's there's a lot of times where the dialogue in this just seems like it it wasn't needed, you know what I mean? Um I believe in your audience. Allow your audience to to figure things out on their own. Um, yeah, like I, I think that's the best way to put it is trust your audience. Don't trust doctors, but trust your audience. Uh, I do like, by the way, when when we do get the reveal of the the thing behind the the closet door, how it looks like it's a, a mutated conehead. And right away, I went straight to the Dan Aykroyd film, you know, or Saturday Night Live, I mean, which is where it completely originated from. But yeah, that's what I thought of. I was like, oh, it's Conehead. I that or like Sloth, which that was another thing, too, was the way they had the face looking. It reminded me of uh, John Matusak uh, when he was Sloth in The Goonies. And again, you know, this movie seems like it influenced a lot of different movies that came later on, movies that I've enjoyed. So as much as this movie might not be the greatest fucking thing in the world, it, because of the markets made and how much it influenced pop culture and influenced like major films that came out later, it gets a lot of a pass from me on this. Um, uh, let's see what else. I mean, and not to mention night of the living dead came out six years later. And Night of the Living Dead was considered one of the most horrific films for the 60s, let alone, you know, the next even 20, 30 years. I mean, some of the imagery in Night of the Living Dead and some of the themes, again, very heavy themes and some of the imagery pretty dark and grotesque. This film is a lot like that. And yet this was six years prior to Romero's Night of the Living Dead. So it's it, it it catches my attention, you know, and trying not to say the word interesting and the best I can come up with is catches my attention. <laughs> ah, whatever. Um, but there, I mean, there's some cool scenes of blood. Uh, thankfully I do have the uncut version. So I do get to see, you know, when the dude gets his arm ripped off, like, okay, granted he's not bleeding like he should be, but it's kind of cool when you see him like walking along the wall and he's leaving scrapes of blood on the wall and whatnot. That's Dr. Kurt, that is. That gets his arm ripped off. Dr. Bill almost gets torn apart by the uh, the hideous conehead, but instead the, the conehead dude, he just saves Doris from the mad doctor. And so he, he gets his moment of redemption, you know. I mean redemption. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. He was a victim, but... But yeah, like when you think about it, that's one thing that's uh, very, uh, very intriguing about this film is how it it focuses on the idea of Bill. Bill, in his mind, thinks he's doing right. He's doing this because he loves his wife. And yet, as 
as us, as the audience, everything we see him doing, it says nothing of love at all for Jan. And one last thing I'm going to um, kind of point out about this film, and then I'm just going to close it out with my you know final thoughts and rating. Uh, I do honestly wonder while watching this movie, how the fuck is Jan in the pan even talking? There, she doesn't even have a full neck, so she's got no voice box. She's got no lungs, so there's no way to breathe. Um, not that everybody breathes when they talk. I do know people that seriously can talk for like five minutes straight without taking a breath. But anyways, that's besides the point. And like, I it's just the whole idea, the mechanics of this head. And it has conscious thought and it's talking and it's, it's also has some special power that it can communicate with the thing on the other side of the closet. Uh, <laughs> again, it's a sci-fi horror, you know, masterpiece, if you want to call it that. But I mean, critics hated the movie when it came out over the, over time though, it did gain a, a cult following, but I mean, <laughs> I can understand why critics hated this movie. This is actually one of those few movies where I probably would have to agree with a lot of what I've read. As much as I do like this movie, it's not a good movie. Um, But then again, at the same time, like I pick on certain aspects of the film. I have fun with it because it's entertaining, uh, because there's always a different way to look at this film when I'm watching it. Uh, Vivian Lee is probably the highlight of the movie. Uh, there's times though, when she's like trying to rasp her voice, um, as Jan in the pan, you know, where like, we should have our revenge. And she's like talking like that. Like it even hurts my throat to do that, but it sounds weird. It sounds off. But then again, at the same time, I, I sit there and I think to myself, how the hell would I know what a head pulled from its body would sound like anyways? For all I know, she's probably got it dead on. Like, dead on? Aha. Bad pun, I know. Um, Overall, final thoughts. A movie with bad taste. It's bad dialogue. Way too many fucking plot holes. Uh, But a concept so bizarre for its time. Uh, How can one not like this film? You know, um, obviously there's aspects of the film that have been done better in other films. much like I've said, Reanimator and Frankenhooker, those two come to my mind the most. But I mean, there's other films that have obviously pulled uh, f- inspiration from this film. At the same time, this film was easily years ahead of its time. Uh, like I said, like Romero's Night of the Living Dead didn't come out till 68. That was six years later. So, how do I rate this film? Oh, I had to think about this one for a bit. And because, like I said, like there, there's a shit ton of plot holes. And there's a lot of shit that doesn't make sense with this movie. But then I also look at a lot of the past movies that I've I've rated and I've reviewed and whatnot. And I mean, all, every movie has a fucking plot hole. There's no movie that doesn't. And the thing was, was I was trying to look at this also in the idea of how much I enjoy it. And it's always a blast. I'm always cracking jokes when I watch this movie. I know not to take this movie seriously. I know that it's a sci-fi horror. Sci-fi horror sometimes can be 
a little bit more wonkier than like your typical slasher or your paranormal kind of horror film, sci-fi tends to stretch the boundaries even further, doing some weird fucking shit. And I mean, even like some of the, the technical science jargon that they spit out in this movie, like, you know, it's camped out and it's phony and whatnot. But is it really enough to knock this movie down to like, you know, a four or a three? I couldn't go that low with it as as much as I like I said, like I can tear this movie apart, but I still enjoy it. And the enjoyment is the is the part that makes it very difficult to give this a rating. I didn't want to give it a stellar rating because it definitely doesn't deserve it. I didn't want to give it a shit rating. So I kind of gave it like a seven. And I think a seven is about like, cause a seven to me is like an average film. It, it's a fun film. It's one that I would go back to several times, but at the same time, it's when I'm watching it, I know that I'm not getting top notch. I'm not getting, you know, Oscar worthy material. You know what I mean? Um, not that I give a shit about the Oscars. I say that a lot. I always say something like something's not Oscar worthy, but I hate the fucking Oscar. So I don't even know why I bring them up, but I don't know. I, it, yeah, I, I think I, I'm comfortable with a seven. That's what I, I wrote that down. Um, actually, at like four thirty in the morning. Uh, so I, yeah, seven out of ten for me for this film. I, I, I think that's about where it sits for me. I love again one of the points I, I love pointing out, and I've said this a couple times, and I'm going to say it one final time, is the fact that how much it's influenced other films and other films that I grew to love, you know, films like reanimator, the Goonies, Frankenhooker, the brain, uh, and there's other ones as well that I'm not even mentioning right now, but that's that, I, that I, I, I'm, I'm good with a seven out of 10. I'm good with this review and it's time to just say, thank you for listening. You guys are always awesome. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for making my podcast your favorite podcast in the whole wide world in the galaxy all the way to the Big Bang. No, um, God, I fucking hate that show. I'm so glad Big Bang Theory is on its final fucking season. Goodbye. Won't miss you. If you like that show, sorry. Uh, sorry, not sorry. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, as I mentioned earlier somewhere (laughs) i said something uh obviously i said something it's fucking podcast but there will be uh probably this week i'm thinking i'm going to announce a contest i haven't done a contest yet for this podcast and i want to do a little something a little fun uh the month of october is coming up for you know the whole normal world this means hey spooks goblins goofs and freaks and scary movies and for the rest of us, we're like, well, welcome. <laughs> We've been doing this the other 11 months. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's, I, I figure it'd be some fun things to do and whatnot. Uh, especially, like I said last week, uh, all three of the main um, social media formats or, or forums, whatever, all at 100 plus followers. And again, I love you all for that. And thank you so much. The interaction is great, and I'm, I, it's just good to see you know people 
are noticing the podcast or at least noticing the name of the podcast that and that always helps you know so um but yeah so a contest uh probably sometime this week i'll be announcing it's just a small little contest uh nothing big but i do have a couple ideas for uh prizes and whatnot and on top of that I will probably be doing my first exclusive um, episode through what lurks behind podcastzero.com. Again, like I said uh, last week, some old episodes I have from the Bats, Bows, and Books. I'm going to kind of re-edit them, uh, try to improve the sound as best I can anyways, uh, and, you know, just re-release them because they're good episodes. They're from, like, last year and the year before. Uh, Just some fun stuff I did for Halloween, but I'd like to keep them kind of alive and out in uh, the interwebs of the, you know, online world and whatnot. So, yeah, I'm babbling. It's time for me to just fucking, you know, call it exit stage left. But before I do that, remember, you can always find the podcast at nextlevelradioonline.com slash podcast zero or what lurks behind podcastzero.com on Facebook facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero Instagram at what lurks behind podcast zero and Twitter you know what Twitter I've had uh, quite a few retweets in the last couple we- uh, couple weeks I've had a lot of different likes and whatnot so you know what Twitter you're not so bad uh, as long as I don't follow too many accounts that post politics we're fucking great so hey uh, Twitter, WLB podcast underscore zero. And before I finally call it quits, I know I've been talking a lot. My throat's fucking dry and I've got itchy cock. I want to go scratch. No, I'm just kidding about that part. Um, it's not that itchy. It's a little itchy, but all, all I got to do is shift to the right and we're good. But um, anyways, next week's episode, it's two movies, one date in common with them. That's all I'm going to give you. It's a clue. It's a, it's a double billing next week, and it's two movies that share a certain similarity with a date. And that's all I'm going to tell you because next week's episode is going to be fucking. It's going to be fun. It's going to be kind of different. Um, it's going to be a celebration. It's going to be a celebration of sorts. I'll explain all of that next week when you guys tune in. That's provided you come back. Please come back. I love you all. I really do. Love you with my dark black heart that's decayed and all it's crispy. Crispy like a crispy critter. Crispy crunch donut. No. Crispy crunch. Ugh. You know, that was one thing that didn't work in Canada. Crispy crunch. Or, no, it's not crispy crunch. Crispy cream. <gasps> Jesus Christ. I talk like an idiot. But yeah, crispy cream donuts didn't do so well here in Canada. Nope. Crispy Crunch, on the other hand, that's a chocolate bar. That, yeah, that does well. Uh, I, I like those. But, anyways, that's it for me. Uh, we're going to say goodbye this week with a little music. Uh, last week I went total hard on you and I did, you know, Cradle of Filth, you know, doing the whole Ia Ia Kasulu Photogon, and then I went like, you know, full on screamo mode. This week I'm going to be a little bit nicer on your earlobes and our eardrums, I should say, not earlobes. Um, Unless you want me to be nice on your earlobes, you know, I can tickle them with my tongue and shit. But no, hey, some of you guys are guys, so no, I'm not going to do that for you. Anyways, um, 
figured this week go out with a softer song so we're gonna go out with a song uh from like 1992 um I, I i'm a huge fan of bjork i know i don't uh I don't, and sometimes it's kind of funny. I like fucking with people. I always will tell people different things. They'll be like, "I don't like, I don't like Bjork at all." And like some people actually believe me. It's like, no, actually, I do. Like, the '90s was a good time for music. Um, it was a good time because I could turn on the radio and actually like what I heard. Uh, the Sugar Cubes were a band that were very early '90s. I think. I think Sugar Cubes went up to like mid 90s and then Bjork went solo and she did her own thing, which she had some good shit then too. But, anyways, there was one song, uh, probably my introduction to Bjork, if I remember correctly, uh, the song Hit, which was an interesting song for me because uh, there's that fucking word interesting. Next week, if I say interesting, I, I'm gonna cut my tongue off, but I'll go all Evil Dead remake and just like slice my tongue down the middle. But, anyways. Just, I gotta quickly shut up and get this over with. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I believe the song Hit was my introduction to Bjork. I wasn't familiar with her prior to, but it was back in the day when Much Music actually played videos, same as in the States, MTV actually played videos. And, you know, like I said, you could turn on the radio and you actually liked what you heard. Sugar Cubes got played around here quite a bit on 89X and this was a song that like it was the first time i heard bjork i kind of saw the video and fell in love with her because i thought she was all adorable and cute so we're gonna but this is a live version i I, i'm i I picked for this week i'm I'm not gonna do the studio version everybody's heard the studio version but yeah i just remember seeing the video for the first time i had creepy dolls and a really cute bjork and i was like "Hmm, i like this so that's that thank you for listening next week Double bill. You know, maybe that'll be the contest. I'll see how many of you can figure out what movies it are. And if I've told you what the movies are, you are already disqualified. So no, that won't be the contest. But I'm going to shut up. Music now. Me go bye-bye. Have a great week, everyone. And see you later. Later.